We don't sell the goose unless, watch this, watch this. We only sell the goose when it stops producing golden eggs. That means the story has changed behind the goose. We don't fall in love with no company. We only fall in love with the returns that it can produce. We fall in love with no company, only the returns that it can produce. Once the company no longer produces the returns that we know it can, we move on. There's 5,000 other companies for us to buy. What's good? Welcome to the first episode of Trapping Tuesday in 2023. Man, listen, I had an amazing 2023 intro, man. And I hope you all did too. This year is going to be so phenomenal. This year is going to be so impactful. And this year, we're going to make some money, man. The goal each and every week in Trapping Tools is, is to help you all build legacy. It's to help you all become confident in your investing decisions. But most importantly, our goal is to help you turn your last name into an asset. So once again, Happy New Year! <laughs> Before we get started, man, like and subscribe right now. Like and subscribe. That's right. Let's get the likes up. Let's go. I'm not playing with y'all this year. We're not about to be having 2,000 people in the chat and 150 likes. Let's get the likes up. That definitely helps the channel. To that, what we got this week, bro? Like, you've been off? Let, let us hear it, bro. Okay. Oh. Okay. Okay. Give me some more volume. Give me some more volume. Seconds, ten seconds. Tootie was in a trap, man. Ha, <sighs> man! I'm so happy to be back, man. I'm. I have so much to talk about. We have so much to just tap into. I know so many people. I'm just looking forward to hearing what I have to say about this market. And I know this because I've looked at the DMs and I'm listening to people come like trap or like, what do you think about 2023? And I'm, I'm honest, y'all. I'm so optimistic about what's ahead for us. And so before we get started, we know for a fact that we got to do this, man. Let's go, man. Y'all, y'all know what it is, man. The certified trapper, the mantra. Y'all know what it is, man. So let's, let's go. Let's, 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 let's. If you new to the trap, 
Welcome. Welcome home. If you already been in a trap, what's that in family? I want everybody in a trap to know that your money matters. Your wealth matters. Your legacy matters. And that's what Trapping Tuesdays is all about, man. A lot of us are first-generation millionaires, first-generation well-builders, first-generation everything, first-generation college, first-generation high school, you know, graduate, first-generation person with a six-figure job, first-generation person that's opening up a stock market account, first-generation person that's starting that business, first-generation getting married, first-generation, some of us are first-generation everything. So you matter. And it is important for me, it is my job, it is my responsibility as someone who is also a first-generation millionaire, as someone who is also a first-generation well-builder, I understand the burden that comes with that. I understand the responsibility that comes with that. I understand the pressure that comes with that. Because without you, a lot of your family won't be exposed to these possibilities. Without you, a lot of your family won't understand or know what wealth is. So just know that I'm with you on the journey, on the struggle. I want you to understand that even though we understand the destination, the destination is to become generational millionaires and generational freedom, break the chains of generational poverty. I want you to understand that there's a journey that each and every last one of us must commit to. I want you to understand that there's a journey that is full of experiences that will build and be the blueprint for the generations to come. That journey can be discouraging sometimes, but it is in that journey that you define who you are. It is in that journey that you understand why wealth is so needed. It is in that journey that you define your family core values, your family mission statement, it is in that journey that you truly, truly appreciate the freedom that you will attain. So further ado, man, let's get to it. Our certified trapper mantra. Let's start there, man. Right? I am a certified Wall Street trapper. I'm confident in my ability to make great investments. The stock market is a machine that prints money. And I'm more than capable of operating that machine. Not only will I free myself, but my family will eat for a lifetime based on the information that I apply today. I'm a money maker and a wealth builder. Today, I break the chains that anchor me to the poverty mindset. My ancestors will smile now because I have turned our last name into an asset. My family's purchasing power will increase indefinitely. Today, I make the declaration that no longer will I be a slave 
to money. No longer will the generations behind me inherit lack. No longer will I sell my time for money. I am a first generation millionaire. I am the architect of my family's legacy. I am a certified Wall Street trapper. And Wall Street looks like us now. Let's go, y'all. Let's get to it, man. We got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to talk about, man. Shout out to the team, man. Shout out to the team, man. Jose in the building. What's up, Jose? You did. Gindy in the building. What's up, son? I see you. We got Brandon in the building. I see you in a cut. Tootie on the track. You already know everybody say, what's that? I'm Tootie. Then we got Dave in the building, man. What's up, Dave? I appreciate my team so much. I could not do this. We could not bring this to you all. And shout out to my cousin, George, man. Today, he was having an issue with his mouth. Uh, he had to get some antibiotics, man. So, George, we appreciate you, brother, and we miss you, man. We definitely going to feel your presence, man. I like to start off with something, you know, that's, that's important to me. This week, I had the privilege of going to church. And there was an experience that I felt when I went to church. I went to the Potter's house, to T.D. Jakes. Um, it is a man that I admire. He is a man that I think is profound. And he is a man that I think has a calling on his life. I think that he does an amazing job at delivering and deciphering the word of God. But as I sat in that church, I realized a couple of things. This is not comparing Trapping Tuesday to his church. But this is understanding why people need spiritual refueling. I realized how empty my spirit was. I was running on films, emotional films, spiritual films. I was running on films. And I left there New Year's Eve fulfilled. And then I went back for New Year's and got a word from Sarah Jakes. And I said this, I have never been emotionally and spiritually whipped like they did me. I literally slept for 10 hours after that. But it wasn't because I was exhausted. It was because I was rejuvenating. I felt full. I can truly say that was probably the best 24 hours I'd had experienced in a long time. But it made me realize something. I came to this conclusion, and I know you wanted me to talk about stocks, and y'all know I'm going to do that, but I always like to share my experiences because I feel like my experiences can be someone else's experience. And no matter what you believe about God, no matter what you believe about a higher power, I believe in God. 
And so on my journey and on my mission, I will always make time to talk about God. And I realized something on that journey in those 24 hours. I realized that I have the same vision for Trapping Tuesday. I have that vision because when I realized when we dropped episodes and my team committed to coming on Christmas and shooting the New Year's and shooting the Thanksgiving episode, that was our commitment to serving our audience. That was our commitment to serving our audience. And as I looked around in T.D. Jakes' church, there was a million people and now being ushers and being deacons and they were serving the audience. Now, I don't know what he paid those people, but I know there is an amount of pay that can validate what they do. And that's why I love my people so much. Yes, I pay everybody here. But that pay doesn't truly exemplify what they mean to me, but what you all mean to us. Mm. And so every Tuesday, I want Trap and Tuesday to be a place where you come to get your refill. I want you to go through markets on Monday through Saturday and Sunday. Well, Tuesday through Sunday and Monday. And you come back here next Tuesday to get a refill. Because not only do you need financial information, someone needs motivation to keep going. Someone needs to be inspired that this is a, a mountain that they can climb. Someone needs to hear certified trapper of the week so they can put their journey under a microscope. So trapping tools isn't your average financial show. We don't just come talk about stocks and the market all day. We like to tell stories. We like to vibe. We like to connect. Because in my mind, we build in family. And so as I sat in the potter's house and as I left and I got on my flight back home, I thought about my trappers. I thought about my community. I thought about how many people are struggling to navigate their way through the market. And every Tuesday, they come listen to trap. I thought about the people who said, Trap, I opened up my first account. I bought my first stock. I got my first dividend because of Trap and Tuesday. Thought about the people who come to me every Tuesday and say, Trap, I didn't understand none of this. But after 23 episodes, it's making sense to me. That's the spirit. That's the financial refueling that we give here. And then we tell the stories of Trapper's life 
that connects to one person. And I speak it in a language that allows you to connect and you to connect and you to tell your story and you to tell your brother and you to tell your auntie. And then that's what makes Trapping Tuesdays my life's work. And I feel like everything that I've done, everything that I've been through to get me here was strategically designed for this. There's no golden opportunity. There's a golden opportunity that has been presented to us that has the potential to enrich our lives, the quality of the way that we live. We can eliminate the middleman, the miseducator, the banker, the financial advisor, the savvy experts that talk with a lot of fancy words or compound sentences with a bad suit, a messed up hair, and probably a trash briefcase. The middleman, the person that wants to tell us about our money but probably isn't doing better than us. The middleman, the person who's never beat the market a day in his life but is designed to tell us and sell us a product. The middleman. Yeah, we've been embarked on a journey that's so phenomenal. It is almost like an exodus that can prepare us for the promised land. A promised land that our ancestors dreamed of. A promised land that they prayed to, danced to, sang those Negro spirituals to. That promised land. We've been balked on a journey. And we've been put in a position where we can turn our last names into assets. And we cannot let this opportunity pass us by. We must take full advantage of it. We must deem ourselves worthy of wealth. So we must divorce a lot of mindsets. We must divorce a lot of habits. And so I actually look at 2022 and ask yourself this question. What are some of the mistakes that I made? And what are some of the things that I can do better? What did I learn in 2022? What pushed me to the edge? In this opportunity, we've been presented with a market that has seen companies crumble. This represents opportunity for us. An opportunity to triple our wealth. An opportunity to do something that has never been done before. And I want us to take advantage of that opportunity. So I decide to serve you at the highest level for all of 2023. Not only myself, but my team. We have decided to serve you at the highest level because we know the importance of this moment and there will be no trapper left behind on my watch. Welcome to Trapping Tuesday, y'all. Let's go. I feel good, man. 
Let's go, man. We got the word on the street, man. Listen, we have been presented with an opportunity. And so as we enter the first day of trade, man, we saw the market in so much chaos. We saw the market in so much confusion, but yet there were a few bright spots that we can talk about. Right. So today, man, we saw that the Dow Jones was down. We saw that the S&P was down. And we saw that the Nasdaq was down. That was interesting to me because as we look at what's ahead of us, it's said that the market often rebounds. So let's dig into that. Let's show a couple of things, right? So the first thing I'm going to do is get into this heat check. Let's just get through our nuance. Let's get through the heat check. Let's understand where we at in the market. So we see communications was up. And I want to talk about that as we move forward. We see that consumer discretionary was down. Consumer staples was down. We even saw energy. This is amazing. Now, we know that energy is the catalyst to the recession portfolio. Now, we saw energy down 3.65% today. We saw financials up. I'm going to talk about that. We saw healthcare down, industrials up, technology down, materials down. Real estate was a plus. Utilities broke even. So today the market was filled with mixed emotions. Let's move a little further. Let's see a little something. So we see that the market was mixed emotions. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at what the market closed that today. I want you to get your pen and your paper out, and I want to help you now take action. I want, you to help, I want to help you take action. I'm going to give you a measuring stick of the market. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average. I want you to write this down. The Dow Jones, right, the Dow Jones closed at 33,136. I want you to write that down. I want you to write that down. This is important. I want you, this is important. Matter of fact, from now on, every week in Trapping Tuesdays, you need to come with a pencil and a piece of paper. This is Trapper Attire. This is Trapper Attire. Watch this. We're going to write this down. And then we're going to write down the S&P 500 closed at 3824.14. We're going to write that down. We're going to write that down. And then we're going to write the NASDAQ closed at 10,386. Now, why are, we, why, why are you telling me to write this down, Trap? Well, what we're going to do is come Friday, we're going to measure... Did the overall markets go up or down? What this is going to do is this is going to keep us from being panicking, right? This is going to keep us from panicking when they tell us the S&P has went up 400 percent. I mean, 400 points. Well, what we're going to do is when they say the S&P has went up 400 400 points, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the S&P and say, well, on the first day, that the market opened, it was 38,824. So this is day one. We'll write a one on side of that. And then on Friday, you're going to make your own chart. 
on Friday, you're going to see where the market closes at. Wherever the market closes, so let's say Friday the market closes at 37.25, we'll write a line from Tuesday to Friday, but that line will be down. And then we'll write 37.25. And then next Friday, we'll write wherever the market closed at. So let's say the market closes at 38.16. So we'll draw a line from 37.25 to 38.16. But what we'll know is this. This is what we'll know. We'll realize that the market really didn't perform. The market is still under what it opened at the year. What we know now, if we write this closing number down, what we know is the market opened at 38.24. In order for us to see we were having a positive market, we need to see the market back above that. Now, here's our thing. This is good, y'all. We're going to use that for every index. We're going to use that for the S&P. We're going to use that for the Dow Jones. We're going to use that for the NASDAQ. What we're now going to do is we're going to track the market ourselves. If we track the market ourselves, we can no longer let the media push fear into our hearts. Not yet. Not yet. Once I say this next thing, then we'll say it. As stock multiples move down, it becomes a better time for us to invest. Okay, what is a multiple trap? So we're looking at PEs, PE ratios, right? PE ratios represent how much we are paying for $1 of a company's money. Cool. What happens now is the S&P has a normal PE. We saw the PE of the S&P go from 21 to 17. Watch this. This is another way of telling if this is expensive or not. As we see the S&P go from 21 to 17 now, the normal S&P PE is between 14 and 17. So here's what we know. Anytime the S&P is over 17, we understand that the market is expensive. In that case, we should only be looking for stocks. Oh, this is about to be good. This is about to be good. This is about to be good. Then this market, we have to have stock standards. We got to have stock standards. This is not the market for us to just throw money in the market and make money. This is not the market for us to just throw money in the market and make money. This is the market where we need to have stock standards. We can't just throw money at the attractive stocks no more. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, Miss Parker. Everything that's dressed up good ain't good. We got to have stock standards. And so now this is what happens. Having stock standards mean we now have to base stocks on a certain criteria. 
P.E. ratios, profit margins, free cash flows. Right. Operating margins. Interest coverage ratios, all the stuff we talk about in the Wall Street trapping calls now comes to play right now because this is what saves us. But we got to have stock standards now, y'all. It's important that we have stock standards now. And remember, my favorite saying is no longer will we invest in a company and make this statement. This company ain't going nowhere for a while. We can't do that no more. Right. We will not do that in 2023. And here's why we can't do that. We cannot do that because and we can no longer say I am going to invest in what I use. OK, we about to dig deep right here. We can no longer say I'm going to invest in what I use. Here's why. Because even though you go to Walgreens, it doesn't mean that Walgreens is a good company. What we can do is say, because you go to Walgreens, you may understand Walgreens as a business. So now what that does is you say, I'll look at Walgreens. I'll look at CVS. I'll look at Rite Aid. I'll look at all of these other pharmaceutical distributors. And because I understand Walgreens, I can now understand the competitors. And because I now understand the competitors, I can now pick the best company. That makes sense. Okay, let's go a little further because I go to McDonald's. I don't go to McDonald's, but I'm using this as an example. That don't mean that McDonald's is a great investment. But what we can say is because I go to McDonald's, I understand the McDonald's brand. What I will do now is look at McDonald's. I will look at restaurant brands. I will look at Pizza Hut. I will look at Domino's. I will look at Shake Shack. I will look at Burger King, which is under QRI. And now I will look at everything under the Yum! brands in the restaurant industry because now I understand that industry and now I can pick a business based on my investing standards to go in my portfolio. Not because I don't think this business is going to well for a while and not because I eat McDonald's, which I don't. Right? I invested in Chipotle, but I looked at all of the restaurant businesses and Chipotle, Chipotle, if you've been with me for a while, was the best business that gave me the best opportunity for my money. I bought it at 425. It went all the way up to 1900. If I would have invested in McDonald's, I wouldn't have got that type of return on my money. Why? Because we understand that Chipotle was the better business with the best, better fundamentals and the better growth. Are we making sense right here? This is why we got to have investing standards in this type of market. There's more opportunity for the active investor than there will be for the individual and the passive investor. This 100% is a stock picker's market. And so once you put your investing standards on the table, no longer will you let unattractive investments lure you in. Ooh, I'm on the ball right now. I'm on the ball right now. I was like, that need to be a clip. No longer will we let unattractive investments lure us in because of the lust for a return. Ooh, I'm about to get out of this seat. I'm about to get out of this seat. You feel me? No longer will we let unattractive investments lure us in because of the lust for a return. 
we got to have investing standards. And if we don't have investing standards, we will waste a damn good opportunity in the market. All right, let's go. All right, as we move forward, man, we're going to look at the history. I want to take y'all on a journey right quick. Let's talk about the history of returns, right? That's, I, w- I want us to chew it because for most of us, this is our first recession. For most of us, this is our first time being in a recession, right? This is our first time being in a recession. And so because it's our first time being in a recession, what happens is we don't know how to properly conduct ourselves. And because we don't know how to properly conduct ourselves, we panic sell. We let the market dictate us instead of us dictating how we move in the market. All right. So let's go through something right quick. Let's go through back to back down years. Let's go through back to back down years. All right. So here's what we're going to look at right quick. When we look at these back to back down years. Right. Here's what we're going to look at. Back to back down years, four years in a row from 1929 to 1932. This was the greatest recession of all time. This is what called the Great Depression. This was, this put us in a bind. I'm in a bind, Nate. I'm in a bind, Nate. That put a lot of people in a bind. Right? That put a lot of people in a bind. I love that one. Shout out to Jose, man. Three years in a row twice. So four years in a row one time from 1929 to 1932. One time that we do four. I mean, for four consecutive years, we had down years in the market. Right. Three years in a row twice from 1939 to 1941. And from 2000 to 2002, we had back to back recessions. Right. We're talking back to back, back to back. Right, so this happened twice, three years in a row, from 1939 to 1941, and then from 2000 to 2002. So, you know, 2000, 2001, like that. And then two years in a row once, from 73 to 74, right? We're talking about back-to-back recessions, back-to-back down years in the market, right? So it's in those back-to-back years where we will be tested the most. So when will we be tested the most? Does that mean that we exit the market? No. It means that our investing standards keep us safe. It means that our investing standards hold us to a certain degree. Y'all with me? All right, let's go a little further. Because I want to give us a, I want to give us a lesson on recessions. All right. Now, last week we talked about peak the trough. We talked about a high point and a low point. It could go higher, which is peak, but it's the highest point thus far. Trough meaning the low point, it could go lower. Peak the trough. Remember, we talked about that. Go back to episode 23 if you didn't catch it, right? Let's look at this right quick. Let's go back to the board. 
Peak to trough declines in the S&P since 1945. Down 20 to 30% seven times. Down 30 to 40% three times. Down 50% one time. That means from the highest high to the lowest low, we've been through that from 20 to 30% seven times. So what we do know is there's a possibility from peak to trough, from the highest to the highest to the lowest low for us to go 20 to 30%. So because we understand that from 1945 to now, this has happened seven times, this is a possibility. Right? This is a possibility. So this now tells us that, yo, if we go 30%, This happens. Well, what happened this year? The market was down what? 19.48%. We were in that range. Peak the trough. That's why we talked to y'all about peak the trough last week. So this week we can tell the story. This is why it's so important for you to listen to Trapping Tuesday. I'm going to say something to you. No investor ever made a dime panicking in the market. No investor ever made a dime panicking in the market. All right, let's go a little further. 30 to 40% happened three times, and then down 50% happened once. So now we truly understand what we're doing in this market. All right, let me sit back down. We chilling. I just want to trap today. This is today's episode Well, we just want to talk to the trappers. We want vibe. We want, we want really teach this lesson. And I think the best teaching comes in a calm, subtle space. I'm subtle. All right. 500 year, I mean, S&P returns since 1928. Watch this. Since 1928, we talking including dividends. So here's my dividend investors. I want Here's why dividends are so important during a recession. Hear me out. Here's why dividends are so important during a recession. Here's an analogy I want to use. I've used this before. Think about when you did something wrong and you're about to get a butt whipping. Once you got a couple butt whoopings, you realize wearing shorts is not the best thing to have on. And then we realize wearing pajamas isn't the best attire for the butt whooping. And then we also realized If we did something wrong and we know we did it wrong and then our parent told us to go get in a tub, we were setting ourselves up for failure. We realized this. We realized this. So what we did was we didn't go get in the tub when we know we did something wrong because we knew that was the worst possible situation for us. And so the smart people did this. You knew you did something wrong. Your mom or your grandmother told you, go get the belt. You put another layer of clothes on. You put on another layer of clothes. 
The reason you put on another layer of clothes because you wanted to, what's the word I want to use here? Dissolve the impact. You wanted to dissolve the impact. You wanted to eat some of the impact up. So you doubled up. You put on an extra pair of jogging pants. Right? Then you got smart. You say, I don't want to put shorts on under these. I need to put pants on because my mom or grandmother was really good at catching those legs or those arms. So we put on a long sleeve shirt. That is the equivalent to what dividends do in the recession. They absorb the blow. Which is why we have here S&P year over year returns since 1928, including dividends, equals up 72% of the time. So since 1928, the S&P 500 has been up 72% of the times and has been down 28% of the time. So what does that mean to us? That means if we use our investing standards, if we use our investing standards, when we do add dividend companies, we need a standard there. We need a company that is increasing the dividend. We need a company that has a great payout ratio. We need a company that has a great balance sheet. Why? Because if the company doesn't have those three qualities or attributes, then in a recession, it's likely that they'll cut the dividend. Right? We need investing standards. So what happens is with dividends included, our return increases. So from 1928 till 2022, the market is up 72% of the time, which means if I use my investing standards, 72% of the times my stock and portfolio will go up. I'll take 72% of the time and 28% of the time down. It means I made money. It means I made money. You cannot get in this game expecting to never see your account go down. But our investing standards allow us to beat the market, to beat the pros, to beat the savvy businessman in the bad suit with the terrible briefcase that smelled bad using polo blue right now. My bad, y'all. I just used Polo Blue when I was young. You should not be selling me financial advice using Polo Blue. I'm sorry. <laughs> you should not be trying to give me financial advice wearing Polo Blue, man. I, you bet not. You Or Cool Water. Or Curve. Issy Miyaki. This is not this is not your this is not your typical financial show, man. This is not your typical show. All right, let's go, man. Let's go a little deeper, right? Now, history of recessions. So we're giving a lesson here. And the reason why I'm doing this is because I want you all to understand the different dynamics that goes into a recession. And so here's what I here's what I realized, right? These events are called black swan events. These are called black. These are events that happen out the blue that really just be like, whoa, right? I want you to understand that there are different things that contribute to us being in a recession or us being in a bear market. 
for a lot of us, I'm going to just be real with you. This is our first time being in this type of recession. And I know you have these, these, you know, these people come on and say, hey, man, I've, I've been making money since this and I've been making money since that. Well, I'm going to just be honest with you, y'all. It's kind of easy to make money when the market is in a 12-year bull run. You can take some money, you can close your eyes and say, go invest in Apple. And guess what? Apple has given you a 70% return over the last couple of years. It's easy to make money in a 12-year bull run. The market's saying, hey, go invest in Amazon because the market was rewarding growth. This is why your Facebooks, your Netflix, your Amazon, your Googles, your Microsofts, they were running like Forrest Gump because the market was rewarding growth. I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down. It is your job as an investor to realize what the market is rewarding. Write that down. Write that down. Write that down. It is your job as an investor to realize what the market is rewarding. Jose, I got a good topic for the, one of these. Investing standards. I like that. That's catchy. That's catchy. Hey, y'all, I need y'all to do me a favor, man. Everybody go download episode 23, episode 19, episode 20 of Trapping Tuesday, y'all. I need to go download that, man. And I need, y'all need to get my views up on this channel, y'all. I'm just keeping it real, bro. Go look at the other ones. Even though it ain't live no more, go check them out. We do a great job at breaking this thing down into clips, man. We put time and effort into giving y'all specific clips that we feel are the most pivotal. We put time and effort in producing this. So I need y'all to help me out. Help us out. Help us out. Y'all see, we really go hard on giving y'all this. All right. So, uh, big market declines. These are unusual events, right? So, I want you to write this down. I want you to write down, it is my job as an investor to understand and realize what the market is rewarding. It's your job to do that. This goes back to investing standards. If we have investing standards and we see what the market is rewarding, we can now do what? Pivot. Pivot. Okay, let's think about this. Let's say we in a fight. Right? Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali was great at this. Floyd Mayweather is great at this. You go into the fight with a game plan. But then you realize what the opposing fighter is doing. So he may be taking away your left hook. So you got to do something different. You got to realize that every investing theory or thesis doesn't work in every market. We cooking tonight, yo. I'm not even going to lie. Somebody online is charging you $19.97 for this, y'all. I'm trying to tell you, somebody online... It's charging you $19.97 and it ain't even as good. Somebody online went on YouTube, took a collection of information and gave it back to you word for word and charged you $19.97 and here we are giving it to you for free. I just want to say this, man. <laughs> that boy is good. 
right, so let's go. All right, so it's your job. It's your job. It's your job. Go back. Go back one. I got to break this down some. So let's think about it. In 1973 and 1974, it was the oil shock, right? Gas shortages, right? In 2000 and 2022, the dot-com bubble mixed with 9-11. 2008 to 2009, it was the financial crisis. In 2020 to 2021, we dealt with COVID. We really stopped dealing with COVID later this year. Here's what I challenge everybody in here to do. I challenge everybody that's listening to this to do this. I want you to go through each one of these events, 1973 to 1974, 2000 to 2002, 2008 to 2009, and 2020. And I want you to see what sector of the market was rewarded. Mm-hmm. Jose, we challenging them now. We're going into 2023 challenging them. I'm going to make you a good investor if it's the last thing I do. Are you gonna do this? Don't. Let me out. Let me out. Trap, let me out. Trap, let me out. I don't want it. I don't want to be here. It's too hard. I thought you was gonna give me all the answers. I thought you was gonna give me all the answers. Nope. My goal is not to give you the answers, my goal is to make you a better investor. My goal is to put you in position. Now, what I will do is, what I will do each and every episode moving forward is give you the context and the context clues so you can go get the answer. I'm going to put you on the chapter. Sometimes I'm going to put you on the page, but you got to go find the answer. It don't get no better than that. So don't ask me what's a good entry price, trap. Because my entry price and your entry price ain't going to be the same. Because we're going to have different valuations on the business. So either you're going to do the homework rocking with Trap or you're going to go. Don't. Let me out. But then there's going to be a point where you come back to me. Because you're going to realize the person that's giving you enterprise after enterprise after enterprise, their enterprises ain't correct. You're going to come back to me saying, hey, Trap. And I'm going to say, come on, I'm broke, baby. I ain't got no money. Bullshit. I see you shining, nigga. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. All right. All right. Let's go. And the reason why I'm saying this is because, man, it's important for us to... It's important for us to not only do our own homework, it's important for us to also understand why we buying businesses and why we buying and where we buying them at. If I just tell you buy a stock and hold it for 20 years, I really ain't do you no justice. It don't take 20 years to get a return on an investment. It don't take 20 years to get a return on an investment. This is homework. This is game right here. Watch this, y'all. Watch what I'm about to say. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I said this last night on my my YouTube live, but I'm going to say this again. There's a process that every stock must go through. 
Once you understand this process, you all you have to do is re-rock it. Here's the process. You take your investing standards and you find a great company. Write this down. You identify your investing standards. You find a great company. Once you find that great company, you write this down. Remember on episode 18, we told y'all something. Expensive, inexpensive, fair value, undervalue. Here's what you write down. You write down fair value, discount price, oversold. And then you do this. You buy the goose at fair value or undervalued. Once the goose gets too overvalued, you do not sell the goose, you just sell the eggs. You sell the eggs to buy another goose. Trap, what does that mean? That means if you bought a stock at $50, the stock goes to $300, which now it's oversold. You don't sell the entire stock. You sell some of the shares. You sell some of those shares, which are the eggs. You take those eggs and you go buy another goose at a fair or discount value. You don't sell the entire goose. Why would you sell the good goose that's producing great eggs? You don't sell the goose that's selling golden eggs. You go sell the golden eggs to buy another goose that can produce some more golden eggs. What are we doing? We buy the goose at fair value or discount value. Once the goose gets to overvalue, we sell some of the shares, which are the eggs, to go buy us another goose. <laughs> that boy is good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Now all you got to do is rinse and repeat. You just rinse and repeat that. Now, here's the dope part about it. Let's dig a little deeper. Let's dig a little deeper. What happens when the goose now is on sale? Well, we mate with that goose. We buy more of it. We we don't sell the goose unless, watch this, watch this. We only sell the goose when it stops producing golden eggs. That means the story is changed behind the goose. We don't fall in love with no company. We only fall in love with the returns that it can produce. We fall in love with no company. Only the returns that it can produce. Once the company no longer produces the returns that we know it can, we move on. There's 5,000 other companies for us to buy. All right, let's check this out, man. <clears throat> man, we, we, hey, this is a great episode of 2023, man. Golly, man. Somebody online is trying to sell you this for 1997, yo. I promise. I promise. Here we go, man. 2008, the market was down 38.5%. The next year, it returned 23%. Appreciate the super chat, everybody. Let me say this, man. I appreciate the super chat, y'all. Queen, I appreciate the super chat. The two kings of the, I appreciate the super chat so much. We do this to teach. So every time you drop a super chat, whether it's $5, $2, $99, 
Man, we appreciate it. I see you, Zay. I see you, man. Because Zay told me last night, Zay said, Trap, I don't know how you're going to outdo yourself tomorrow because last night's class was amazing. Well, Zay, we on the road today. All right, 1974, the market was down 29%. The next year, it bounced back 31.6%. In 2002, the market dropped down to 23%. It bounced back 26% the next year. In 1973, the market went down 17%. It went down. That was the double year. It went down 29%. In 1957, the market went down 14%. It bounced back 38%. Here's what I want you to understand. Four out of five times when the market goes down bad one year, it bounces back the next year. Now, it's on us to identify and understand what is the economic environment that we are in. There is an economic environment that we in and we must understand what is that environment pushing. Remember, it is your job as an investor to understand what? What the market is rewarding. Let's go, man. Gee, this is a good section. All right. So let's just look back at 52 week highs for the last uh, year. These are the industry leaders. Oxy was up 126%. And I solely know that's because Warren Buffett just kept buying this company. Um, UTI was up 98%. McKesson was up 78%. Uh, Dollar uh, Tree was up 38%. T-Mobile actually got downgraded today. It was up 25%. Enphase Energy up 18%. In real estate, we had one real estate company that was actually up uh, 17%. So here's your market leaders in 52 weeks. These are the 11 sectors and 11 companies that led their respective sector. Let's give it up for those companies for actually performing in a recession. Imagine if you got into Oxy when Warren Buffett first got in it, yo. I struggled to understand why this company did that good. And at some point, I was just like, you know what? It don't even matter. As long as Warren Buffett buying, I see the market is just following what Buffett is doing, man. It was crazy. All right, let's go, man. <laughs> All right, so here's the economic outlook for one of the analysts today. He said the inverted yield curve suggesting a moderate recession. What is the inverted yield curve? We talked about that in episode maybe one, two, and three. It's when the short-term bond has a better return than the 10-year bond. When a two-year note has a better return than the when a two-year note has a better return than the 10-year note. Um 76% of the times that actually calls for a recession. Now, it did that at the beginning of the year, beginning of the last year. Which is why last year I said, yo, we're going to see a recession this year and it wind up happening. And so the inverted yield curve is still happening. And that is simply saying when the two-year bond gives you a better return than a 10-year bond. Trap, why is that an indicator? Well, because the market is a forward-looking mechanism and the market is designed to give you a better return the longer you hold something. So whether it's a, whether it's a bond, whether it's a stock, Anytime the market starts rewarding you for short-term performances, the market is in fear. That is mean that people want to get in and get out. That is not what the market is actually designed to do. So anytime the market is doing that, you understand what's ahead. All right, so let's go. Earnings guidance will be key. Why is this going to be key? So one of the things we realized was that last year we saw a lot of companies doing what? 
dropping down their guidance. Remember last week we talked about a earnings recession. This is why it's important for you to go download episode 23. It is important for you to go look at the older episodes because I always set you up for something on the next episode. If you look at the older episodes, I always tie in something from the old episode to the new episode because we like to tell that story. Right. That's how we tie you in. That's how we connect the stories. We connect the stories by getting you in. Let's get the likes up, y'all. Let's get the likes up to this episode. We know we, we dropping some game. Do me a favor. Let's get the likes up right quick, man. Let's get them up right quick. Let's take five seconds to get the likes up, man. Let's take five seconds to get the likes up. Good, good, good. Let's get the likes up, y'all. Let's get at least a thousand likes tonight. Let's get a thousand likes up in here tonight. All right. Last but not least, man, valuations and into rate hikes shit in the bear market. Now, we know that Jerome will not stop rate hikes until we can get the uh, inflation down to 2.5%. Um... That's the goal. Two, two percent to two point five percent is what we're looking for. I appreciate the super chat, beloved. Um, and so until we get that two point five or two percent on inflation, we will see rate hikes. But in the meantime, we want to look at valuations. Again, let's go to P.E. ratios. P.E. ratios will tell us a lot about the market. This will truly tell us how expensive the market is. Let's pay attention to the Basis points and the P.E. ratios. So let's look at what the S&P P.E. ratio is now. Let's even look at what the tech sector P.E. ratio is, right? And as those ratios come down, we know that the market is getting less expensive and less expensive, less expensive. The cheaper we can get the market, the cheaper we understand when to buy. Now, there will always be an exception to the rule. There will always be, just like we saw 11 winners, there will always be great companies that perform. Right. Our job is not to be disappointed when we don't find those anomalies. Our job is to find what? Use what? Investing standards to help us identify. So let's think about this. Let's think about this. Why is investing standards so important? Because each of one of us, and here's why, here's why this is good, y'all. Each one of us will have a different attribute that we may look for. So as a man, like for me, as a man, when I'm looking at a queen, I want to court her. I want to date her, right? I want her to be intelligent. I want her to be intelligent. I want her to be connected to God because I have a relationship with God. Now you ain't got to be a Jehovah witness, no shade, no nothing like that, right? I ain't, <laughs> that was bad, Jose? God damn, Jose. <laughs> Soon as I said that, Jose was like, oh, no shade to the Jehovah Witness people, man. Right? Huh? We love the Jehovah Witness, man. Damn, bruh. Sometimes Jose got to just blurt me out, man. I wish we had like a, what you call that? A, a Like a delay. <laughs> like a delay so Jose can catch it. <laughs> right? So... Like, I want her to be intelligent. I want her to be God-fearing. Uh, I want her to have a beautiful smile. Right? Those are things that I look for. Intelligent, God-fearing, beautiful smile. I want her to be respectful. Right? I want her to know 
how to respect herself in certain situations. So like, let's say for instance, I'm, I bring you around my family. Like, I don't want you to have clothes on that expose your body because I got a married uncle, right? And so because my uncle is married, I don't want you to, be, because you have a nice body, I don't want you to cause conflict between, I don't want my uncle's eyes to wander and I don't want his wife to feel no type of intimidation, right? And so what happens is, Certain women may be like, uh-uh, he got to keep his eyes right. I'm not, I'm not responsible for him looking at me. True. But we can eliminate animosity or bad energy by you being respectable. You just dress, I'm not telling you well, dress to your knees, but let's, let's, you know what I'm saying? And so it's, you know, it's certain things. I want you to be able to go get your own bread. You know what I'm saying? I want you to, you know, pour into me. But that, those are my things. So now that falls on my standards of attraction list. Right? Now, I don't want you to be, I ain't talking about you got to have a, you got to have the, this type of breast, this type of thighs. This I don't, That don't really matter to me because those are tangible things. I'm talking about the intangibles here. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about the intangibles, right? And if I got to teach those type of things, then that's a whole different topic I got to have. And so now when you look at me, you may be like, all right, well, I want these things. And so if I don't match these characteristics that you're looking for, then I may not fit your criteria. And that's okay. That's okay. Right? It's, it's perfectly fine. Because everybody won't fit everybody's criteria. Same thing for investing. Everybody has a specific criteria they'll look for in stocks. No two investors are the same. Similar but not the same. Right? Now, what happens is, once you identify your investing standards, now you can look for stocks in any sector based on your standards. This is how we win in the market. Let's go, man. We just having fun right here. Hi, man. So Apple falls and so does the market, man. So if y'all remember, I made a statement. I made two statements. One statement was early, early, early. Some of y'all like don't know me around this time, but I said, yo, Apple is worth $90. See, Apple is worth $90. This is around the time it was $165. People was like, man, Apple ain't going to never get to $90. Nah, it may not. But this is what it's worth. Around 150 is once this came on. I still had the same thing, but I said, yo, Apple was going to go to 120. Is that 155 around that time? I said, Apple was going to go to 120. I didn't move my 190 valuation 
what happens is we set price points on stocks. You figure out what a stock is worth, write this down. First thing you do is you figure out what the stock is worth. Okay, let's, let's walk through this. You figure out what a stock is worth first. That's the first thing you do. Figure out what it's worth. Once you figure out what it's worth, then you say, where is the stock at now? And then you say, at what point do I create price points? Salute to everybody that's giving a super chance. I love y'all so much. I love y'all so much. So then we say, it's worth 90. It's at 155. Our buying points may be 120. It may be 130 or one. You know, we set up. So mine was, okay, it's worth 90. I see it going to 120. So I'm not going to touch it until it hits 120. Like at 120, I'm like, ah, it's attractive. Now, here's the thing that we must understand. I want you to understand this. This is important right here. This is important right here. You have to give yourself a range because when you're evaluating a stock, you're always looking at expectations. For me, it's a discount cash flow for what it can produce in the future. Nobody can exactly say what the stock can produce in the future. So these are hypotheticals or a hypothesis, which is an educated guess based on data. Now, if I say Apple is worth 90, we have a range that may be from 90 to 95. Right? Because the $90 isn't set in stone, but what it is saying is based on a discount cash flow formula, here's the range. The, the triple beam says 90, so our range is between 90 and 95. So the triple beam says, so from the triple beam from 90, we say, okay, well, 120 is in our range at our first buying point. First buying point, meaning I can now create a position. Oh, this is good. This is good. The first buying point is saying I can create a position, meaning it gets to 120. I now have a range between maybe 119 and 124. That may be my range. So within that range, I now can maybe start a position. Once it gets, but I won't touch it from 120. I now won't touch it till about one, ah, 90, 100 maybe. You with me? So 120 is my range. So 118 to maybe 124. That range doesn't move the needle that much. I won't touch it again until maybe $90, which is the buy-in price. Now, once it hits the 90, I now go heavy. But, but, we're paying attention to the economic environment. What is the economic environment says? Why is Apple going down? Remember, Apple and Tesla right now is dragging the market. They represent 9% of the entire market cap of the S&P 500. What is the catalyst to them both? Have earnings declined on both of them? Probably not. Tesla actually had a good year, but they missed. Instead of producing 50%, they pr pr produced 40%. Apple is actually not declining, but they're having what? An issue. 
What is the issue? Supply chain issues. Supply chain issues mean what? We won't produce as many iPhones as we want. We won't produce as many MacBooks as we want. We won't produce as many products as we want. Why? Because there's a supply chain issue. That supply chain issue now causes a weakness in demand. The weakness in demand now tells investors, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> that boy is good. Damn, good and terrible. Hey, I really love talking to y'all. Yeah, in case y'all don't know this, man, I really love doing this. That's why I sat down. I sat down because I felt like it gave us a more comfortable, a more subtle feel. I felt like I could get deep in my bag sitting down. At certain parts of me standing up, I felt like I was rushing through the content so I could get the hell off the stage. <laughs> Now we just gonna teach. We gonna own. We gonna own the night. Not be you. Oh my bad. My bad. All right, man. <laughs> All right. So Apple goes down. Here's the thing, y'all. Remember, Apple makes up 7% of the, of the S&P by itself. When Apple and Tesla is down, the market will fall. Appreciate everybody for the super chat. I love y'all so much. When Apple and Tesla fall together simultaneously, the market will fall because now we're talking about 9% of the entire S&P. You're talking about two companies representing 9% of an entire market. This now drives the market down. So Google was up today. Amazon was up today. Uh, Netflix was up today. Facebook was even up today. Wait. Shout out to Facebook being up today. But because Apple and because Tesla were down, they dragged the market down, those two alone. And so because those two dragged the market down, we see a market that's falling. Let's go, man. Ah, the mighty fall. Man, listen, Tesla falls 12% today. Is it the end? Do we flush it? That was a lot in that flush, bruh. Or is it a bag on the end of Megan? So here's what I'll say. Dave, did we get the other one? Dave, shout to my guy, man. I gave him this last minute and he came through for me. All right, so let's talk about this. Tesla's annual guidance, Tesla said they can grow at 50% annual sales a year. They said they can do that. They said we can grow, we can grow at 50% a year. Now, here's what I want you to understand. This year, production is still up 40%. This year, Tesla still produced 40%, which is good. The company is actually still 
profitable. All right. So, Trap, why is the company falling so hard? Remember, 12% in a day. Today, it has been on a decline. All right. Let's talk about it. Well, one, if you love Tesla, you've bought into Elon Musk. If you bought Tesla, you've bought into Elon Musk. So, right now, even though he's a genius, he is all over the place. Buying Twitter, the stock is down because of Elon, not because of the company. Let me say that again. Tesla stock is down because of Elon Musk, not because of the company. The company is still amazing. But anytime, and this is why I felt I don't like CEOs that have dual CEOs positions. So one of the reasons why Tesla is down is because Elon has sold so many shares of the company. He sold a lot of shares. He sold millions of shares over the last few months. He sold shares to buy Twitter. He sold sales to do so many different things. That drives the stock down. Think about selling 250 million shares of a company, yo. That's a lot. So that drove the stock down. And everything that he's doing with Tesla, with that, is driving the stock down. Second, that's right. He sold $40 billion worth of Tesla in 2022. Y'all, that's a lot of shares, man. $40 billion? Listen to me. There's companies that have a $40 billion market cap. There's companies that are worth $40 billion in totality. Feel me? There's companies that are worth $40 billion in totality. He sold $40 billion worth of this stock alone. That is enough to drive a stock down. That's enough to drive a stock down. The company itself is still producing. But here's the second thing. Here's the second thing that we got to be mindful of. What is the growth catalyst for Tesla moving forward. Now, I think the, the truck is supposed to drop maybe the summer sometime, but we need to find a growth catalyst. The catalyst to a company is always important. What is it that is going to keep Tesla at a 50% growth, annual sales growth? Right now, I'm not telling anybody to sell. Now, here's going to be the thing. Let's go with it. Here's going to be the thing. This is good. We can't strap. Here's the thing. On January 25th, Elon will have a report. It is important on January 25th what he does. He has an opportunity to say this. Tesla's growth, we're going to switch guidance from 50% to 30%. So on January 25th, I want you all who love Tesla to pay attention to the guidance that Elon Musk gives to investors. 
Write that down. Write that down. On January 25th, Elon Musk has to tell investors, he will tell investors, he will give investors new guidance. The key metric in that whole thing is, does guidance go from 50% to 40 or 30%? At that point, you will see how the market reacts. Now check this out. In Q4, Tesla delivered 405,000 cars. In 2022, they delivered 1.3 million cars. That is more than any of its competitors. That is more than any of its competitors. Again, it is still up 40%. This This is amazing growth for a business. He's still producing more than his competitors. But, this is a big but. It's not 50%. And this is what happens when you have premiums baked into specific companies. It's kind of like LeBron, right? If LeBron ever start putting up 20 and 10, we're going to feel like he fell off. Right? If LeBron ever just put up 20 and 10, we're going to be like, Brian fell off. But anybody else, 20 and 10 is a solid career. That's going to get you to the playoff. I mean, that's going to get you to the damn All-Star game. 20 and 10, that's a good year. But if LeBron start doing 20 and 10, we feel like he fell off. Why? Because there's a premium baked into LeBron. If he don't put up 30 and 17 and Five and two, man, Brian fell off. There's a premium baked into Brian being Brian. There's a premium baked into him being the king. There's a premium baked into Tesla being Tesla. If Ford produces 40% year over year of their EVs, stock going to run up. If, if, if any other company is producing 40% of their EVs, the stock runs up. Tesla produces 40% of their EVs, stock goes down. Not because the company is doing bad, but because there's a premium baked in that, and plus who the CEO is. God damn. <laughs> that boy is good. Yo, I'm spitting facts tonight. Let's go, man. Woo, this is one of the episodes we got to cook up. Got to cook it up. Cook it, cook it, cook it, cook it, cook it. <laughs> All right, man. So listen, man, let's move a little further, man. Retail and consumer trends and expectations. All right. So... Here's what I have to say about that, man. We have to pay attention to retail and consumer. Why? Because America is a consumer-based economy. So the retail sector and the consumer will 100% always give us a temperature check of what the economy is doing. Worsening to one of the things we got to look for is consumer confidence, CCI, consumer confidence index. Always pay attention to that. Right? We want to pay attention to that. Also, we want to pay attention to what, where the consumers are spending their money. Right. Right. So when I see food, beverage and personal health, want to pay attention to those as well. But most importantly, I like to pay attention to the discount sectors. I think that's where the winners are. Your five below's, your family dollars, your dollar trees. 
I don't, I don't, I think you should have some type of uh, exposure to the family dollar, the dollar general, the dollar trees. I think you should have some type of exposure to that because I don't think the consumer confidence is where it should be, but I think people are still spending money. Again, credit card debt is up 78%. So that discount is always baked in a premium. All right, let's go. All right, traps winning sectors for 2023. This is going to be good. So here's how I feel. I feel like defense is always a win. Your Lockheed Martins, your Raytheons, your Boeings. I'm cautious on Boeing, but I feel like defense healthcare is a win. But also, I'm going to add this. I think that financials is a way to go moving into this year. I think that financials is a play. Now, remember, this is just my idea of the market. We watch financials come down to a 14.54 PE ratio, which means financials are actually cheaper than the market. The reason why I think financials will be important because I feel like Interest rates will still get hiked, but I feel like they'll slow down. And because they'll slow down, I feel like people will loosen up a little bit in the financial sector. The money isn't expensive as it was, but I feel like there can be some moves to be made in the financial industry if you find the right ones. Next, I feel like healthcare, which is still kind of expensive. Why? Because healthcare still beat the market last year. But I still feel like your Mercs, your Eli Lilly's, your... Uh, companies like that, I feel like they will do well moving forward. Now, watch what I'm about to say. Watch what I'm about to say. There is a specific space inside of technology that I feel we can go to. And I think it is in software or cloud. Here's why. The tech sector is now trading at 22, at a 22 PE, which is a multiple. We saw it as high as 27. The tech sector has come down extremely. Now, it is still expensive compared to the S&P. But here's what we got to understand. Tech is always where your growth is. So the multiples for tech will always be a bit higher. Write that down. Growth is majority and predominantly in the tech industry. So tech will always be a bit more expensive than the S&P 500. Right? Right? Tech will always be a bit more expensive than the S&P 500 because of the growth that's there. Now, I believe the growth that will be in technology will be in 2023. Now, AI is a little further. But in 2023, I think the industry inside of tech, so there's a tech sector, and inside of the sector, there's industries. I think in the software and in the cloud is where we'll see the most upward winds in tech. All right, let's go. All right, man. I'm feeling good tonight, man. I'm feeling good. So, 
I want to show you all something right quick. Let's go to the board. I'm about to go to the board, right? I'm about to get up and go to the board for a second. And I want to show you all something. I want to show you all something I've been working on for y'all. All right. So when I talk to you all about PEs and PE ratios, I want you to understand something that is specific. All right. So right here, we're looking at the communication sector, services sector, right? So the red is where we are. The red line, I'm sorry, is where we usually trade at. It's where it usually is trading at. Right now, it's trading at a 15 PE, right? So now we're looking at, is this sector cheap? Or is this sector expensive? Right? Is this sector cheap? Or is the sector expensive? And right here, I'm going to give you two different examples. So normally, this sector, as of the last maybe three couple years, it's been trading at a 19 PE ratio. Right now, it's trading at a 15.6 PE ratio. So that's telling us that it is trading lower than the norm. The PE has now come down. This means that there may be an opportunity inside of the communication services sector. Facebook, T-Mobile, Roku, right? T-Mobile got downgraded today. I don't know why, but it got downgraded today. I think the analyst is crazy. But I came along and said this maybe episode one. I said T-Mobile is where the most growth is at out of Verizon, AT&T. So this tells us that this industry is actually cheap. Now, what we got to watch out for is what's called a value trap. It's when a value company or a growth company is trading at a cheap ratio, but the fundamentals may not align. Right. This is one way I'm teaching you right here. I'm teaching you this right here. No, somebody online is trying to sell you this for 1997, y'all. Right. So using our investing standards, we can say, OK, if this is at trading normally on average is at 19.3 P.E. is trading at 15.6. This means this industry or sector is cheap. We got to now go in and find out where to buy an opportunity. at. Let's go a little further. All right. Now we're going to look at this consumer discretionary. What is consumer discretionary? Trap, that's your Amazon, your Teslas, right? When people buying based on what the economy is doing. Normally, this sector has a 28.9 PE ratio. Watch this. It's now trading at 24.4. Is it cheap? Well, Amazon, Tesla, and Nike is in this sector. Let's think about this for a second. If the S&P 500 is at a 17 PE and this has been trading at a 28.9 PE and it's 24.4 is not necessarily cheap. But it is cheaper than what it has been. You feel me? It normally is in a range of 28.9. 
It's now in the range of 28.4, which means it's cheaper than it usually has been, but is it still on sale? Let's go a little further, man. That was good. Golly, that's good. All right, so you have the consumer staples. This is where your big dividend plays are. If we go back to the beginning, we realize what we said in the beginning. Dividends help stocks do what? Outperform the market. Dividends help stocks outperform the market. I get a better return. I'm going to say, so dividends help stocks get a better return, right? So now we're looking at Pepsi, Walmart, Costco. Check this out. Normally, they're trading at a 19.7 PE, but right now they're trading at a 21.7 PE. That tells us that these stocks are expensive. This tells us that these stocks, Pepsi, Walmart, Costco, are expensive. They're normally trading at a 19.7 PE. They're now trading at a 21.7 PE. That tells us that these stocks are expensive. These stocks were expensive. Now, if we're looking at this, let's dig a little deeper. We're looking at this, a buying opportunity may have been here, 2018, right? It was around maybe a 15 PE. We saw it shoot up from 2018 to 2019. We saw it shoot up, right? And then pandemic, we saw it come back down. This was cheap because it was below its trading PE. I'm giving you a lesson right here. Then we saw it skyrocket during the pandemic from here to here, right? At this point, it was out of range. Still cheap. We saw it go sideways. Then we saw it run. Now, watch this. 2020, we saw all these stocks take a L. We saw them trade cheap. Boom. Pandemic. Pandemic. The market got flooded with money. We saw these stocks run. From 2020 to 2021, it ran. We saw it take a minor dip under its normal trading P.E., and then we saw it run again. But then, watch this, we saw it dip. This is when I bought it for the recession portfolio. Costco is in my recession portfolio. It was in this area under its 19.7 PE. We bought it in its recession portfolio and we saw it run. Costco followed the benchmark of consumer staples. <laughs> that boy is good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Let's get back in my seat, man. Let's run a bag up. Let's run a bag up. Let's run a bag up, please. All right, man. Let's go a little further, man. All right. Where to invest in 2023, man? Dominant players. I think we should find cheap valuations on companies. I think if we're patient, we can find some cheap valuations. We can find something that's real attractive. Using our investing standards. Uh, I think there's also some plays in the industrials in the data centers. I think there's plays there, industrials and data centers for sure. Um, strong enterprise software names. You know, that's what I talked about. Enterprise software is where I think it'll be at in the tech industry. 
Let's go. And I want to use this, man. Serving dimes in the drought, man. I was doing some research, man, and I saw that restaurants were up 15% from November to December 24th. At the same time, food prices was up. So restaurant was up and grocery sales was up. Restaurants were doing well from December 20, December 1st, November 1st to December 24th. Serving dimes in a drought, man. God damn. Make your money, man. Make it got doggone money. Let's go, man. So here's some of the brands, man. McDonald's, restaurant brands. Remember I told you, oh, this is good. Watch this. Remember we talked about earlier, like investing in what you know. Remember what I said. You don't got to invest in what you know, but what happens is you can take what you know and compare all the companies that are similar. So serving dimes in the drought, we talking about restaurants. So we talk about McDonald's, restaurant brand, which owns Popeye's and Burger King, Chipotle, Texas, uh, Roadhouse, Starbucks, and Domino's. These are one, two, three, four, five, six companies that are in the same industry. Find one that's good. Investing in what you know means not buying the company itself, but looking in the industry and saying, which one is best for my investing standards? Let's go, man. Hi, man. This segment is, we like to call this one learning the lingo. Uh, the dope part about this segment is it is all about helping you understand how to play this game and understanding the language it takes to play this game. Uh, learning the lingo is important to me because one of the things that keeps us from playing this game and being great at this game is because we really just don't understand the language. And that truly knocks us off and that truly uh, disappoints us and it kicks us out of the game. So this week's learning the lingo is none other than the word dividend. A sum of money paid regularly, typically quarterly, by a company to its shareholders out of its profits or reserves. Dividend. Uh, so most people don't understand what a dividend is. And a dividend is truly just a portion of the profit that a company pays to us as investors. It takes a portion of that profit. Now, the dope part about that is we only want to invest in companies that are paying dividends where the dividend is from a profitable business. Dividends are a portion of the profit that a company pays out to us as investors. Uh, you will see most of your stable companies paying dividends. A lot of your growth companies will not play, pay dividends because they are using money for growth and growth alone. They feel like it's better to use the money for growth than paying it out as a dividend. So as an investor, you got to decide, are you willing to have either or, or maybe both? Dividends is the learning lingo for the week. Let's go, man. All right, man. So this is becoming an amazing piece that we've added to Trapping Tuesday. Um, I feel like this partnership was amazing. Uh, I partnered with my guy, Augury Investments, one of the people that I truly respect in his game. He's a fundamentalist for sure. And I rock with him. 
Uh, he's a good dude. So shout out to the guy Augury, man. Um, Trap's lottery pick is about us looking at a company, then breaking the company down to a point. Um, and then giving our thesis, we coming together, create it, we give our thesis on it. And so I got to give Augury his props. Um, let's rock, man. This week's <sighs> Trap's lottery pick is none other than Coles. KSS has a long history of solid earnings and profitability. Let's just stop right there. Long earnings and profitability. With that said, in 21 to 2022, it has been rough. The stock has experienced a massive sell-off. Looks like most of the issues with KSS are now in the rearview mirror and the stock is bottoming. KSS has made huge repurchases over the last year, which is good, and it will resume profitability in 2023. Shareholders should experience these benefits. The yield is attractive. It pays an 8% dividend. Price is 25. We see the value between 40 and 60% a share. 40 and 6, 4, I'm sorry, 60 and 140% upside. So we see the stock, we're saying that its valuation is between $40 and $60. We see an upside of 60 to 140%. ARR of 17% and we see a time horizon of three years, meaning in three years we see this coming into fruition. So we are saying that if you bought this, first of all, we're not telling nobody to buy this stock. We're not telling nobody to buy this stock. We're not telling nobody to buy this stock. We're not telling you to buy the stock. I'm not telling you to buy the stock. Jose, are you telling to buy the stock? Jose said he's not saying buy the stock. Today, you telling the people buy the stock? Today. <laughs> Today is saying. We not telling y'all to buy the damn stock. We just present you with an investing thesis. All right? All right. Let's roll that beautiful bean footage, man. All right. So what is the value of the business? So we got a few things up here, man. We got the owner earnings, which is how much we make per share of the stock we own at $4.13. The book value we have at $37.07. The discounted rate of 10%, which is important to us. Uh, the growth rate of minus 15%. We're conservative. Terminal years, 10 years. Terminal growth, 4%. Now, let's dig into this, y'all. Let's dig into this as I stand up. Because I truly got to get y'all to get into it. All right? Let's break down the business, right? Operating revenue by business segment. Footwear, they make $1 billion, which makes up 9% of their revenue. $2.1 billion uh, is 10% of their revenue in accessories, right? We have $2.4 billion in children's, which makes up 12%. Home goods, which makes up uh, $3.3 billion, which is 17%. Right, men's make up 29% at 3.9 billion, and women 
make up 4.9 billion. So now collectively we see 100 and then we see 962 million is other. Right. So now we're looking at this is how they make money. So we see majority of their money is in menswear, women's wear and home goods and children. So the and accessories. So these represent, you know, double digit. This is good. This is really good. So right here we're saying the book value is thirty seven dollars. That's the book value of the stock. The growth value is twelve dollars. Terminal value two dollars. The stock price stock value is fifty two dollars. Watch this. The stock price is currently at $24.90. We're seeing that the book value, meaning if the stock sold off all its assets and had to cash out, it will be worth $37. We're saying between $37 and $52 is a great range for us. And we see this happening within a three-year time span. We can get up to $52. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. To get 60 to 140% return on your money is amazing, especially when mutual funds are only giving us 7% on our cash, if that. Next footage. Uh, so now we're looking at just the growth revenues of it. If we're looking at the growth rate, revenue per share, we see revenue keep going up. But we saw in 2020, 2021, and 2022, we saw those go down. We saw 2020, it went up. And then shareholder information, we saw the company is straight just paying out great dividends, great shareholder information, dividends coming out, shareholders, buybacks were actually good. But in 2021, they actually had a downfall. We feel that the company can shake back in 2022. We feel like the retailer is strong again, and that now presents us with an amazing opportunity. This is a three-year hold. Remember the one of the things I told you. You shouldn't have to wait 20 years to get your money on an investment. You shouldn't have to wait 10 years to get your money on an investment. You should be able to make a great investment and get your money back in at least three years. I always say this. Now, I'm not telling you not to hold a stock for 10 years and 15 years and all that. That's cool. Things happen. My long term is go ahead. If you can get your money back three to five years, sell the eggs, not the goose. Sell the eggs, not the goose. Let's take a minute, y'all, man. We hit 1,000 likes on the tube. Let's clap for that, man. That's amazing. We love y'all. We love y'all. All right, let's go, man. And then let's, you know, this is one of my favorite parts, man. I was certified Trapper of the Week. Um, this segment is brought to you by none other than Trappers Anonymous, man. Trappers Anonymous is an amazing community of investors. It's $47 a month. The link is in the description. Truly, drop the link for me, Tudy, for Trappers Anonymous. Drop the link for me for Trappers Anonymous, man. Come join us, man. It is $47 a month. Each and every day we do something. So Monday we do Mope Monday. Tuesday we do Ticket Symbol Tuesday, which I'm going to drop tomorrow because today is all about me studying for Trapping Tuesday. Wednesday, we do Wild Out Wednesdays as well. Thursday, we do ETF Thursdays plus the book club at night. Friday, we do Drip Friday, where we put in a dividend stock. Saturday, we do Say Something Saturday or Study the Great Saturday. And then Sunday, we do the world famous Live from the Kitchen. Plus, we have great conversation all day, every day in a group. Also, two times a week, we also do uh, opening bell or closing bell. That's when I get in a group. We do opening bell. We just have a dope discussion. 
We talk about what's going on in the market. We talk about, and they just get to ask me questions all day, every day. Um, so it's how you get to interact with me one-on-one. So if you want to come join Travis Anonymous, it is $47 a month. You also get eight weeks free when you join it for the year. Uh, so definitely come join us, man. We would love for you to be a part of that community. If I got some trappers in the chat, say we trapping. See my trappers in the chat, say we are trapping. I love y'all. All right, so this segment is Certified Trap of the Week. So, you know, I started this talking about Warren Buffett and Moniz Pabri and some of the great investors that I've learned about. And then the show took a turn. I realized that, man, there's so many black people that have created wealth and success and just laid the groundwork for us that they needed exposure. There were stories that needed to be told that we didn't tell. And so just in honor of what I represent, there would be no Wall Street Trapper without an O.W. Gurley, without a Reginald Lewis. There would not be a Trapper without people like that. I wouldn't have this. And so it's only right that I pay homage to those people, right? And so O.D. to those people, man. So I wouldn't think about having a network if I didn't have people who had visions for us doing certain things. And so it's only right. You know, yes, I appreciate Warren Buffett and I appreciate Monash Pabrai and I appreciate Charlie Munger. But guess what? They talk about them every day on CNBC. They don't talk about the Reginald Lewis and the Jeremiah Hamiltons and the, you know, and the biddies that we talked about. They don't talk about these people. And so it's on us that I feel like representation. I feel like now nah, we need that. We need to talk about them. So Every week, I'm a, I dig deep, and I find them, and I highlight them, and I have fun because a lot of times, I'm going to be real with y'all, they be my first time hearing about these people, and I go to wondering why we ain't heard about them before, right? And every, and every Black History Month in school, we went through the same 10 to 12 people, Rosa Parks, Frederick Douglass. Thank you so much for the Super Chat family. I appreciate you. And there's nothing wrong with those people, but every week we go through the Rosa Parks. We go through the Malcolm Mexes, who was one of my favorite men and the black men of all time. We go through the uh, Madam C.J. Walker. We go through the Frederick Douglass, the W.E.D. Boys. We go through the same 10 to 20 people every year. You know, the Marcus Garvey's. But we don't identify and highlight a lot of the other people that lost their lives and risked their lives. And, and when, you know how hard it had to be to be a successful black person in the, ninth, in the 1800s? You know how much gall and wherewithal it took for you to be a millionaire in the 18, 1900s? Let's not forget that, I'm going to just say, Jose about to tell me this, I'm wrong for this. Let's not forget that white America burned down a whole town called Black Wall Street because they was just doing better. They was affluent. Right. Let's not forget that they burnt that down for that reason. Let's not forget there's a whole town called Rosewood that was affluent black people that was burned down because of this. Let's not let's not forget that. That's why this was burnt down. It wasn't burnt down because of no other reason that white America and during that time was felt some type of way about them black people being wealthy and affluent. And mind you, no one would ever charge for those murders. As a matter of fact, I went to Black Wall Street last year and I saw that they built an entire 
minor league baseball field on top of the area that was burned down. How disrespectful was that? You put a minor league baseball field in a historic area where hundreds of black Americans lost their lives, bodies that would never be found, you put a softball field on top of it. The city of the state of Oklahoma should be held accountable for that. The city of Tulsa, Oklahoma should be held accountable for that. Because those are ancestors, those are ancestors of people who need to be defined and talked about. They need to be identified. They need to be identified. And so there's a, there, there a certain type of audacity that it took for you to be successful 17, 18, 1900s. And so we need to highlight those people. So this week, we have an amazing person, man. We have an amazing, I love when he, I ain't gonna lie, I love when I find a queen that was doing it. Cause she had to have even more like tenacity. You know what I'm saying? Like she had to have even more tenacity to, to be a wealthy black woman during that time. She had to like let him hang. She had to be shotgun ready. You know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, hey, hey. We gonna fuck up tonight. <laughs> so man, this week. <laughs> Right? So this week, man, we have no other than America Newton. Man, America Newton was a former slave who provided laundry services during the gold rush days and beyond for 50 years. She operated a laundry service for miners, gold miners in the town and cleaning clothes for herself. She was known as being friendly and talkative. Right, the former mining town of Julian, California, during the East Mountains of San Diego, she was among the earliest female American settlers in that area. I see you, Queen. And we know that wasn't hard. We know that was hard. We know that was hard. We know that was hard. So we're gonna shout that queen out, man. I appreciate the super chat family. Thank you, beloved. Shout out to America. Newton, she died of pneumonia. She died of pneumonia, man. She held it down, man. And believe it or not, this is one of the only pictures of her. There's only like two pictures of her. So definitely go do your homework, go research that, find it out, man. Let's go, man. Hi, man. So this one was good for me, man. This one was good for me because y'all know, like, I respect Jeezy. You know, um, I grew up in a I grew up in a trap listening to him. Um, and one of the things that I always say is that music is so influential in our culture. I feel like we have been positioned in music to exploit women and exploit the murder and um, the downfall of black men and women in America. 
I feel like our people, our rappers and our artists, they have to tell a story of what they came from, which we have to respect. But then there's things inside of their raps that we miss. We catch them, but we miss them. And because we miss them, we don't grab onto them. And so this week, we got big snow up there, man. My guy, man. And he says something, man. He says, shell companies and LLCs remain nameless. Whew. My account on 24-hour call got it popping like a 24-hour mall. Sports agency, 99, all player. Street Ninja might sound a ball player. Woo-hoo-hoo. Here's why I like that. Uh, a while ago, I talked about having an anonymous LLC. And it's when you can put an LLC in an anonymous name so people don't know who owns it. And so one of the dope parts about shell companies, Jesus says shell companies and LLCs remain nameless. That's one of the things he's talking about. So one of the things that shell companies do is the shell, great investors will create shell companies. Shell companies allow you to buy assets, buy real estate, buy assets, not under you, but under the company name. But then he went a step further and said they remain nameless. Shell companies can open up a bank account. They can move funds at the same time. Shell companies can buy and sell real estate. Shell companies can even possess copyrights and receive royalties. Shell companies can have anonymous owners. And I remember when I said this, people were like, well, why would you want to be anonymous? Who are you looking for? Who are you running from? It's not about that, man. We live in a world where people have exposure to more than they need. You see people doors getting kicked in all the time. Look, the minute Jesus, and I'm going to show you how dangerous this was. I remember when Jesus did the thing with Gucci and he said, I own half of Atlanta. Whether he's telling the truth or not, I don't really care. But here's what I do know. On Instagram, 10 minutes later, everybody had his name up and they had a, he owned one property. And it was a property that his grandmother owned. People like, how you own half of Atlanta and you just got one company? Because I realized at that moment that people weren't financially literate. But it also showed me at that moment what people will do is look your name up because they looked up his real name because none of his assets are going to be on the young Jeezy, right? They looked up his real name to go see what he owned. That's how easy it is for people to have exposure to you. Now, imagine if you could pull that man's name and that man records and see every real estate that he owned, what type of evil people in this world will go do something crazy? So it's not about hiding from nobody. It's not about running from nobody. It's about understanding that people do weird stuff. The minute the man say, I own half Atlanta, they had three million people on that live with him and Gucci, man. And 40 percent of the people went look the man name up to see what he owned because he made a statement. And now that is all over the Internet. Showing what he owned. He said, man, I had, the minute I saw that, I had to go change my grandmother's house out of name. And so what if all of his properties would have been on there? So now we know everything that Jeezy owned. Once you start acquiring wealth and once you start acquiring real estate and once you start buying things, you understand that shell companies and LLCs, anonymous LLCs and trust 
All of these things work in your favor. They're tools that the wealthy have been using for a long time. I just want to stop right there. I don't even want to really go into no more of it. And so that is 100% why I love that. Then he digged a little further and he talked about sports because he got a sports agency, another business that he owned. Right? And so we talked about it's about acquiring assets and you don't always got to have your name on it. You don't always got to do that. There's a thing that wealthy people say, man, own nothing, control everything. Which brings me to the mindset that we got to have to acquire wealth. And I bring you all to this last segment of the show. In this segment, man, I decided that I want to roll my chair out. I'm going to have a little talk with my trappers. We have to divorce the story of doubt, lack, poverty, and limitation. We got to divorce that. And we must marry the attitude of wealth, the mindset around money, and your ability to grow and obtain wealth is solely based on your creativity and your frequency toward it. The most important decision that you will ever make is how you perceive money and how you engineer your wealth. The true consequences behind building wealth is a lifetime of freedom. But you can never create that freedom if you never allow yourself to take the risk. Imagine how many people thought that Harriet Tubman was crazy. Because not only did she attain her freedom, but she left and came back to get more. She had a taste. And once you taste the freedom, you realize that everybody needs a sip. So I invite you to this question. How much is your freedom worth? How much is your mind set worth? What is the price to your freedom? But most importantly, at what price do you sell it? You sell it because you feel you're running out of time. You sell it because you feel that you're inadequate. You sell it because you feel that life has overwhelmed you. At what point do you sell it because you feel that you aren't enough?
Experience has taught me something. Some of us will sell our dreams prematurely and live a life of regret. And in those moments, we will despise those who have accomplished the things that they are crazy enough to believe. And then there are those of us who are crazy enough, just crazy and insane enough to go after it. There are those of us who are crazy enough to follow Harriet Tubman through the swamp, barefoot, being chased by dogs, snakes, bears, and crazy people looking to hang you. There are some of us that are crazy enough to believe that investing would change our lives. There are some of us that are crazy enough to believe that the stock market is a machine that prints money and all we got to do is learn how to use the machine. There are some of us that are crazy enough to believe that if we sacrifice now, we'll get the reward a little later. There are some of us that are crazy enough to believe that generational wealth is a real thing and not just a buzzword. There's some of us that are crazy enough to believe that we deserve wealth. There's some of us that are crazy enough to believe that freedom is our birthright. There's some of us that are crazy enough to believe that when we're dead and gone, there's a whole generation that will benefit from our sacrifice. Generational wealth is more than just about money. It's about renovating, restructuring, and rebuilding a specific mindset. It's about doing away with the things that we were taught that held us captive. We were held captive by 401ks and mutual funds because they told us this was our best chance to retire free. But yet only 10% of mutual funds beat the market. And after that, 10% of mutual funds that meet the market, by the time they finish taxing us and paying us fees, we, the investors, suffer. There's only about 16% of 401ks that actually help people make money. But after retirement, you still have to get another job. So was that really freedom? You ask yourself, did they really teach us freedom? I've never seen a slave master give freedom to a slave. 
There was always some type of catch behind it. Yep, you're free. But what do you live? What do you work? All you know how to do is farm. We're not giving you 40 acres. And so you enter this servitude, this credit, where I work for you and you pay me. You pay me based on what the plantation produces. But here's the catch. I got to pay you for food. I got to pay you for clothes. I got to pay you inflated prices for staying on your farm, on your plantation. And so I can never truly gain my freedom. And so when you work that job and you think that full 1K is the best investment you can make, you think investing in those mutual funds is the best investment you can make. And I know people won't agree with me, but I can promise you this. The minute you learn how to invest for yourself, you will beat every full 1K and you will beat every mutual fund because the knowledge is the most essential investment to your freedom. It's your boy, The Wall Street Trapper. I appreciate y'all for tapping into episode 24 of Trapping Tuesdays. Do me a favor, man. Go download every episode on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, and all other streaming platforms. Also, go to this network. Before you leave the network, I want you to go like and subscribe to all the other channels and share this out. You want to be a part of Trappers Anonymous? The link is in the bottom. It's your boy, Wall Street Trapper. I will see you all next week, episode 25. Salute.